Section 4 of Incidents of Travel in Central America, Chiapas, and Yucatan, Volume 2, by John Lloyd Steffens. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Sue Anderson. In the evening, I called upon the Vice President. Great changes had taken place since I saw him at Zonzonate. The troops of the Federal Government had been routed in Honduras. Carrera had conquered Quetzaltenango, garrisoned it with his own soldiers, destroyed its existence as a separate state, and annexed it to Guatemala. San Salvador stood alone in support of the federal government, but Senor Vigil had risen with the emergency. The chief of the state, a bold-looking mulatto, and other officers of the government were with him. They knew that the Honduras troops were marching upon the city, had reason to fear they would be joined by those of Nicaragua, but they were not dismayed. On the contrary, all showed a resolution and energy I had not seen before. General Morazan, they said, was on his march against Guatemala. Tired as they were of war, the people of San Salvador, Senor Vigil said, had risen with new enthusiasm. Volunteers were flocking in from all quarters and with a determination that was imposing though called out by civil war he added that they were resolved to sustain the federation or die under the ruins of san salvador it was the first time my feelings had been at all roused in all the convulsions of the time i had seen no flash of heroism no high love of country self-preservation and self-aggrandizement were the ruling passions it was a bloody scramble for power and place, and sometimes, as I rode through the beautiful country, and saw what Providence had done for them, and how unthankful they were, I thought it would be good riddance if they would play out the game of the Kilkenny cats. It was a higher tone than I was accustomed to, when the chief men of a single state, with an invading army at their door, and their own soldiers away, expressed the stern resolution to sustain the federation or die under the ruins of the capital but they did not despair of the republic the honduras troops would be repulsed at san vicente and general morazan would take guatemala the whole subject of the revolution was discussed and the conversation was deeply interesting to me for i regarded it as touching matters of life and death I could not compromise them by anything I might say, for they are all in exile, under sentence of death if they return. They did not speak in the ferocious and sanguinary spirit I afterward heard imputed to them at Guatemala, but they spoke with great bitterness of gentlemen whom I considered personal friends, who, they said, had been before spared by their lenity and they added in tones that could not be misunderstood that they would not make such a mistake again in the midst of this confusion where was my government i had travelled all over the country led on by a glimmering light shining and disappearing and i could not conceal from myself that the crisis of my fortune was at hand all depended upon the success of morazan's expedition if he failed my occupation was gone 
but in this darkest hour of the republic i did not despair in ten years of war morazan had never been beaten carrera would not dare fight him and guatemala would fall the moral effect would be felt all over the country quetzaltenango would shake off its chains the strong minority in the other states would rise the flag of the republic would once more wave triumphantly and out of chaos the government i was in search of would appear nevertheless i was not so sure of it as to wait quietly till it came to me at san salvador the result was very uncertain and if it should be a protracted war i might be cut off from guatemala without any opportunity of serving my country by diplomatic arts and prevented from prosecuting other objects more interesting than the uncertain pursuit in which i was then engaged the design which the captain had in coming up to san salvador had failed he could not join morazan's expedition but he had nothing to do at the port was anxious to see guatemala had a stock of jewelry and other things which he might dispose of there and was so sure of morazan's success that he determined to go on and pay him a visit and have the benefit of balls and other rejoicings attendant upon his triumph in the excitement and alarm of the place it was very difficult to procure mules as to procuring them direct for guatemala it was impossible no one would move on that road until the result of morazan's expedition was known and even to get them for zonzonate it was necessary to wait a day that day i intended to abstract myself from the tumult of the city and ascend the volcano of san salvador but the next morning a woman came to inform us that one of our men had been taken by a press gang of soldiers and was in the carcel we followed her to the place and being invited in by the officer to pick out our man found ourselves surrounded by a hundred of vigils volunteers of every grade in appearance and character from the frightened servant boy torn from his master's door to the worst of desperadoes some asleep on the ground some smoking stumps of cigars some sullen and others perfectly reckless two of the supreme worst did me the honor to say they liked my looks called me captain and asked me to take them into my company our man was not ambitious and could do better than be shot at for a shilling a day but we could not take him out without an order from the chief of the state and went immediately to the office of the government where i was sorry to meet senor vigil as the subject of my visit and the secrets of the prison were an unfortunate comment upon his boasts of the enthusiasm of the people in taking up arms with his usual courtesy however he directed the proper order to be made out and the names of all in my service to be sent to the captains of the different press gangs with orders not to touch them all day men were caught and brought in and petty officers were stationed along the streets drilling them in the afternoon intelligence was received that general morazan's advanced guard had defeated a detachment of carrera's troops 
and that he was marching with an accession of forces upon guatemala a feu de joie was fired in the plaza and all the church bells rang peals of victory in the evening i saw senor vigil again and alone he was confident of the result the honduras troops would be repulsed at san vicente morazan would take guatemala he urged me to wait he had his preparations all made his horses ready and on the first notice of morazan's entry intended to go up to guatemala and establish that city once more as the capital but i was afraid of delay and we parted to meet in guatemala but we never met again a few days afterward he was flying for his life and is now in exile under sentence of death if he returns the party that rules guatemala is heaping opprobrium upon his name but in the recollection of my hurried tour i never forgot him who had the unhappy distinction of being vice-president of the republic i did not receive my passport till late in the evening and though i had given directions to the contrary the captain's name was inserted we had already had a difference of opinion in regard to our movements he was not so bent as i was upon pushing on to guatemala and besides i did not consider it right in an official passport to have the name of a partisan accordingly early in the morning i went to the government house to have it altered the separate passports were just handed to me when i heard a clatter in the streets and fifteen or twenty horsemen galloped into the courtyard covered with sweat and dust among whom i recognized colonel oyas with his noble horse so broken that i did not know him they had ridden all night the honduras troops had taken san miguel and san vicente and were then marching upon san salvador if not repulsed at cojutepeque that day they would be upon the capital for four days i had been running before these troops and now by a strange caprice at the prospect of actual collision i regretted that my arrangements were so far advanced and that i had no necessity for remaining i had a strong curiosity to see a city taken by assault but unfortunately i had not the least possible excuse i had my passport in my hand and my mules were ready nevertheless before i reached don pedro's house i determined to remain the captain had his sword and spurs on and was only waiting for me i told him the news and he uttered an exclamation of thankfulness that we were all ready and mounted immediately i added that i intended to remain he refused said that he knew the sanguinary character of the people better than i did and did not wish to see an affair without having a hand in it i replied and after a short controversy the result was as usual between two obstinate men i would not go and he would not stay i sent my luggage mules and servants under his charge and he rode off to stop for me at a hacienda on the road while i unsaddled my horse and gave him another mess of corn in the meantime the news had spread 
and great excitement prevailed in the city here there was no thought of flight the spirit of resistance was general the impressed soldiers were brought out from the prisons and furnished with arms and drums beat through the streets for volunteers on my return from government house i noticed a tailor on his board at work when i passed again his horse was at the door his sobbing wife was putting pistols in his holsters and he was fastening on his spurs afterward i saw him mounted before the quartel receiving a lance with a red flag and then galloping off to take his place in the line in two hours all that the impoverished city could do was done vigil the chief of the state clerks and household servants were preparing for the last struggle at twelve o'clock the city was as still as death i lounged on the shady side of the plaza and the quiet was fearful at two o'clock intelligence was received that the troops of san vicente had fallen back upon cojutepeque and that the honduras troops had not yet come up an order was immediately issued to make this the rallying place and to send thither the mustering of the city about two hundred lancers set off from the plaza with a feeble shout under a burning sun and i returned to the house the commotion subsided my excitement died away and i regretted that i had not set out with the captain when to my surprise he rode into the courtyard on the road he thought that he had left me in the lurch and that as a travelling companion he ought to have remained with me i had no such idea but i was glad of his return and mounted and left my capital to its fate even yet uncertain whether i had any government chapter four contributions el barranco de guaramal volcano of izalco depredations of rascon zonzonate news from guatemala journey continued aguizalco apeneca mountain of aguachapa subterranean fires aguachapa defeat of morazan confusion and terror the captain had given me a hint in a lead horse which he kept for emergencies and i had bought one of an officer of general morazan who sold him because he would not stand fire and recommended him for a way he had of carrying his rider out of the reach of bullets at the distance of two leagues we reached a hacienda where our men were waiting for us with the luggage it was occupied by a miserable old man alone with a large swelling under his throat very common all through this country the same as is seen among the mountains of switzerland while the men were reloading we heard the tramp of horses and fifteen or twenty lancers galloped up to the fence and the leader a dark stern but respectable-looking man about forty in a deep voice called to the old man to get ready and mount the time had come he said when every man must fight for his country if they had done so before their own ships would be floating on the atlantic and the pacific and they would not now be at the mercy of strangers and enemies altogether the speech was a good one and would have done for a fourth of july oration 
or a ward meeting at home but made from the back of a horse by a powerful man well armed and with twenty lancers at his heels it was not pleasant in the ears of the strangers for whom it was intended really i respected the man's energy but his expression and manner precluded all courtesies and though he looked at us for an answer we said nothing the old man answered that he was too old to fight and the officer told him then to help others to do so and to contribute his horses or mules this touched us again and taking ours apart we left exposed and alone an object more miserable as a beast than his owner was as a man the old man said this was his all the officer looking as if he would like a pretext for seizing ours told him to give her up and the old man slowly untying her without a word led her to the fence and handed the halter across to one of the lancers they laughed as they received the old man's all and pricking the mule with their lances galloped off in search of more contributions unluckily they continued on our road and we feared that parties were scouring the whole country to zonzonate this brought to mind a matter that gave us much uneasiness as the mail routes were all broken up and there was no travelling i was made letter carrier all the way from nicaragua i had suffered so much anxiety from not receiving any letters myself that i was glad to serve any one that asked me but i had been treated with great frankness by the party at san salvador and was resolved not to be the means of communicating anything to their enemies and with this view always asked whether the letters contained any political information never taking them until assured that they did not but many of them were to mr chatfield and other ingleses in guatemala there was a most bitter feeling against mr chatfield and the rudeness of this really respectable-looking man gave us some idea of the exasperation against foreigners generally and as they were identified in the revolution the directions alone might expose us to danger with any band of infuriated partisans who might take it into their heads to search us on the road if i had had a safe opportunity i should have sent them back to san salvador i could not entrust them with the old man and we deliberated whether it was not better to return and wait the crisis at the capital but we thought it an object to get near the coast and perhaps within reach of a vessel and determined to continue in about an hour we passed the same party dismounted at some distance from the road before the door of a large hacienda with some of the men inside and fortunately so far off that though we heard them hallooing at us we could not understand what they said soon after we descended a wild mountain pass and entered el barranco de guaramal a narrow opening with high perpendicular sides covered with bushes wild flowers and moss and roofed over by branches of large trees which crossed each other from the opposite banks a large stream forced its way through the ravine broken by trunks of trees and huge stones for half a league our road lay in the bed of the stream 
knee-deep for the mules. In one place on the right-hand side, a beautiful cascade precipitated itself from the top of the bank almost across the ravine. A little before dark, in a grassy recess at the foot of the bank, a pig merchant had encamped for the night. His pigs were harnessed with straps and tied to a tree, and his wife was cooking supper, and when we told him of the foraging party at the other end of the ravine, he trembled for his pigs. Sometime after dark, we reached the hacienda of Guatemal. There was plenty of sacate in an adjoining field, but we could not get anyone to cut it. The major-domo was an old man, and the workmen were afraid of snakes. Baiting this, however, we fared well, and had wooden bedsteads to sleep on, and in one corner was a small space partitioned off for the major-domo and his wife. Before daylight we were in the saddle, and rode till eleven, when we stopped at a small village to feed our mules, and avoid the heat of the day. At three we started. Toward evening I heard once more the deep rumbling noise of the volcano of Izalco, sounding like distant thunder. We passed along its base, and stopped at the same house at which I had put up on my visit to the volcano. The place was in a state of perfect anarchy and misrule. Since my departure, Rascon, rendered more daring by the abject policy of the government, had entered Zonsonate, robbed the custom-house again, laid contributions upon some of the citizens, thence marched to Izalco, and quartered his whole band upon the town. Unexpectedly he was surprised at night by a party of Morazan soldiers. He himself escaped in his shirt, but nineteen of his men were killed, and his band broken up. Lately the soldiers were called off to join Morazan's expedition, and the dispersed band emerged from their hiding-places. Some were then living publicly in the town, perfectly lawless, had threatened to kill the alcalde if he attempted to disturb them, and kept the town in a state of terror. Among those who reappeared, I was told there was a young American del Norte, whom I recognized from the description as Jemmy, whom I had put on board his ship at Acajutla. He and the other American had deserted, and attempted to cross over to the Atlantic on foot. On the way they fell in with Rascon's band, and joined them. The other man was killed at the time of the rout, but Jemmy escaped. I was happy to hear that Jemmy, by his manners and good conduct, had made a favorable impression upon the ladies of Izalco. He remained only three days, and whither he had gone no one knew. While listening to this account, we heard a noise in the street, and looking out of the window, saw a man on the ground, and another striking at him with a white club, which, by the moonlight, looked like the blade of a broadsword or machete. A crowd gathered, mostly of women, who endeavored to keep him off, but he struck among them with blows that would have killed the man if they had hit him. He was one of the Rascon gang, a native of the town and known from boyhood as a bad fellow. All called him by name, and more by entreaties than force made him desist. As he walked off with several of his companions, 
he said that the man was a spy of morazan and the next time he met him he would kill him the poor fellow was senseless and as the women raised up his head we saw with horror hairs white as snow and the face of a man of seventy he was all in rags and they told us that he was a beggar and crazy that he had given no provocation whatever but the young scoundrel in passing happened to fix his eyes upon him and calling him a spy of morazan knocked him down with his club very soon the crowd dispersed and the women remained to take care of the old man these were times which required the natural charity of woman to be aided by supernatural strength every woman dreaded that her husband son or brother should cross the street at night for fear of quarrels and worse weapons than clubs and we saw five women one with a candle without a single man or boy to help them support the old man across the street and set him up with his back against the side of the house afterward a woman came to the door and called to the woman in our house that if the young man passed again he would kill him and they went out again with a candle carried him into the courtyard of a house and locked the door the reader will perhaps cry shame upon us but we went out once and were urged to retire and two men were standing at the window all the time it was natural to wish to break the head of the young man but it was natural also to avoid bringing upon ourselves a gang which though broken was strong enough to laugh at the authorities of the town and to waylay us in the wild road we had to pass there was one ominous circumstance in the affair that in a town in the state of san salvador a man dared threaten publicly to kill another because he was a partisan of morazan showed a disaffection in that state which surprised me more than anything i had yet encountered our men were afraid to take the mules to water and it was indispensable for them to drink we were cautioned against going with them and at length upon our standing in the doorway ready to go to their assistance they set off with loaded pistols when i passed through Izalco before it was a tranquil place early in the morning we started arrived at zonzonate before breakfast and rode to the house of my friend mr de novel it was exactly two months since i left it and with the exception of my voyage on the pacific and sickness at costa rica i had not had a day of repose i was now within four days of guatemala but the difficulty of going on was greater than ever the captain could procure no mules no intelligence had been received of morazan's movements intercourse was entirely broken off business at a stand and the people anxiously waiting for news from guatemala nobody would set out on that road i was very much distressed my engagement with mr catherwood was for a specific time the rainy season was coming on and by the loss of a month i should be prevented visiting palenque i considered it actually safer to pass through while all was in this state of suspense than after the floodgates of war were opened 
Rascon's band had prevented my passing the road before, and other Rascons might spring up. The captain had not the same inducement to push ahead that I had. I had no idea of incurring any unnecessary risk, and on the road would have had no hesitation at any time in putting spurs to my horse, but on deliberate consideration my mind was so fully made up that I determined to procure a guide at any price and set out alone. In the midst of my perplexity, a tall, thin, gaunt-looking Spaniard, whose name was Don Saturnino Tinocha, came to see me. He was a merchant from Costa Rica, so far on his way to Guatemala, and by the advice of his friends rather than his own judgment, had been already waiting a week at Zonzonate. He was exactly in the humor to suit me, very anxious to reach Guatemala, and his views and opinions were just the same as mine. The captain was indifferent, and at all events could not go unless he could procure mules. I told Don Saturnino that I would go at all events, and he undertook to provide for the captain. In the evening he returned with intelligence that he had scoured the town and could not procure a single mule, but he offered to leave two of his own cargoes and take the captain's, or to sell him two of his mules. I offered to lend him my horse or macho, and the matter was arranged. In the midst of the war rumors the next day, which was Sunday, was one of the most quiet I passed in Central America. It was at the hacienda of Dr. Driven, about a league from Zonzonate. This was one of the finest haciendas in the country. The doctor had imported a large steam engine, which was not yet set up, and was preparing to manufacture sugar upon a larger scale than any other planter in the country. He was from the island of St. Kitts, and before sitting down in this out-of-the-way place, had traveled extensively in Europe and all the West India Islands, and knew America from Halifax to Cape Horn, but surprised me by saying that he looked forward to a cottage in Morristown, New Jersey, as the consummation of his wishes. I learned from him that Jemmy, after his disappearance from Izalco, had straggled to his hacienda in wretched condition, and sick of campaigning, and was then at the port on board the Cosmopolita, bound for Peru. On our return to Zonzonate, we were again in the midst of tumult. Two of Captain Diariarte's passengers for Guayaquil, whom he had given up, arrived that evening direct from Guatemala, and reported that Carrera, with two thousand men, had left the city at the same time with them to march upon San Salvador. Carrera knew nothing of Morazan's approach. His troops were a disorderly and tumultuous mass, and three leagues from the city, when they halted, the horses were already tired. Here our informants slipped away, and three hours afterward met Morazan's army, in good order, marching single file, with Morazan himself at their head, he and all his cavalry dismounted, and leading their horses, 
which were fresh and ready for immediate action. Morazan stopped them and made them show their passports and letters, and they told him of the sally of Carrera's army and its condition, and we all formed the conclusion that Morazan had attacked them the same day, defeated them, and was then in possession of Guatemala. Upon the whole, we considered the news favorable to us, as his first business would be to make the road secure. At three o'clock the next morning, we were again in the saddle. A stream of fire was rolling down the volcano of Izalco, bright but paler by the moonlight. The road was good for two leagues when we reached the Indian village of Aguisalco. Our mules were overloaded, and one of Don Saturnino's gave out entirely. We tried to procure others or Indian carriers, but no one would move from home. Don Saturnino loaded his saddle mule and walked, and if it had not been for his indefatigable perseverance, we should have been compelled to stop. At one o'clock we reached Apaneca and rode up to one of the best houses, where an old man and his wife undertook to give us breakfast our mules presented a piteous spectacle mine which had carried my light luggage like a feather all the way from la union had gone on with admirable steadiness up hill and down dale but when we stopped she trembled in every limb and before the cargo was removed i expected to see her fall nicholas and the muleteer said she would certainly die and the faithful brute seemed to look at me reproachfully for having suffered so heavy a load to be put upon her back. I tried to buy or hire another, but all were removed, one or two days' journey out of the line of march of the soldiers. End of section 4